All right. Hello. Good to see everybody. And uh, whether you're a longtime Chase Oaker or a first time Chase Oaker, you're new to Chase Oaks. Really glad that you're with us. And I want to say hi to everybody at our legacy campus, but also our other campuses, too. So everybody online right now, our Richardson campus, Sloan Creek, Woodbridge and Espanol. Um, today, we are continuing this series, Big Beautiful World. But before I do that, I do want to say I know your campus pastor or campus host has already done this. But I've got to say happy Father's Day as well to all of you dads, because there's just I can't imagine a more important job. I mean, you it is so hard, I think, to understand how important a dad is in the life of a child, whether that child is two or ninety two. Still, you know, so impactful. And so for everything that you guys do uh, for your kids, no matter how old your kids are, thank you. And let me say this, too. And, I, you know, most of you guys who are dads, I don't know you one on one. I wish I did. I, I would love to. But um, but I do know something about you. And that is you're here. And that's important because, you know, on, on Father's Day, you kind of get a hall pass to do what you want to do. At least you should. And and you chose to use your hall pass in part to go to church which communicates a whole lot more than you may think to your family about what's important to you. And I, again, I'm not trying to shame people who are on the golf course right now. That's great, too. I'm all for it. But but it is, I think, pretty cool. So anyway, thank you for being here. Thanks for being a dad. So in this big, beautiful world series, we are it's a little series, short series built around some of our DNA statements as a church, some of our value statements as a church that guide us as to how we engage our world. Now, the church is just us as individuals. So if you're not a part of our church, this still applies to you, as you're going to see today. Uh, but because we're talking about in this series, how do, we, how do we engage our world in a fruitful way, in, a, in an impactful way? It's not called Big Beautiful Church. It's called Big Beautiful World because it, this guides our, our, us as individuals in our church as a whole into how we Make a difference because all of us are wired to be difference makers. We all want our lives to count, right? I mean, we we want to be able to look back at the end of our life and realize, yeah, we made a difference. And and, and there's also things that we want to do that, that we would love to think that God could do in our life to make us better. But we also want to make the world better. We want our lives to count. We want our lives to matter. Now, we're not just here like we want to do something. And it's a little bit like when um, my kids were little. I remember Colin was, I don't know, either four or five years old, and we signed him up for T-ball. So we go to the T-ball, you know, team, you know, that everybody gathers together, we get there, and I didn't realize what was going to happen because there was no coach. The coach had quit. And so, I uh, guess who got voted to be the coach? And uh, even though I'd never played baseball on a team before, I got, you know, I was the T-ball coach. And so as a T-ball coach, I, I kind of tend to take things seriously, so I like that. And so, but one thing that was a little difficult in this league is, I don't know if it's this way or not in T-ball now, this was in Plano, you know, 20 years ago or whatever, but uh, you you didn't keep score. The idea was everybody's a winner, nobody loses, and you don't keep score. I wouldn't set it up that way, but that's the way it was set up, these little four, five, six-year-olds. So, so, you know, we're at practice, you know, you got to motivate, as a coach, you got to find some motivator for your team to focus like four-year-olds will and, you know, work hard. And so there was one team that, uh, called the Daisies. So my deal was, okay, look, we're not going to keep score. Everybody's a winner, but there's one team and they're wonderful, but the Daisies are all girls and we're all boys. 
So let's beat the daisies. That's our goal. Okay. Now I know some of you are like, what? I mean, and I hope I'm not the one that caused the whole me too movement, you know, and all that. I really do. But, and if I had to do over again, I may not use that as my motivation. I promise you though, if I was coaching the daisies, I would use that as my motivation. If I had girls say, we're going to beat those boys. Right. And so that was our goal, right? To beat the daisies. And the truth is I didn't really have to worry about it once we got playing, because what I realized is, is that even though we didn't officially keep score, Almost every one of those kids knew what the score was. They knew if we were winning or losing. They knew what our record, right? Because we are wired not just to play games. We're wired to win. We're wired to make an impact. We're wired, I believe, wired by God. I think it's the way we're created to make a difference. I mean, my guess is that's why you're here at church. I don't think you came to church today for the fun of it. I mean, we try to have fun and that's good, but... You know, I, I, I don't I, th- I think that's probably not. Yeah, I, I go there just to have fun. I think, you know, the reason you're here today is a couple reasons. One is the hope of transformation, your own life being better. Right. I mean, we come because if there's a possibility, there is a God who is real and who's created us. And, and there's a possibility that we could know him and he wants to change our lives for the better. That's pretty cool. We're all in on that. And I think. A lot of people are also here because you want to make a difference in our community. You want to make a difference in our world. There's all kinds of churches and you've chosen a church like Chase Oaks that is very engaged in the community and very engaged in different parts of the world. It's a big deal around here. And so you think, yeah, I want to be in that kind of church. And so you pick this kind of church because you want to make a difference. You want to make an impact. And all of us, I think, have this sense, whether we bury it or it's front of mind, that that we haven't become fully who we can become, nor have we accomplished fully what we can accomplish, or maybe even what we've been put on earth to accomplish. And so today we're just going to stop a little bit. Today's a really important day because I think if we don't just stop every once in a while and ask a really basic question, and that is, hey, am I, I know I'm busy, I know I'm doing a lot of stuff, but is it, All that I'm doing, is it really helping me become the kind of person I want to become and maybe that God created me to become and accomplish all that I've been put on this planet to accomplish? Is it is it is this leading somewhere? Am I going to look back one day, 20 years from now and be like, oh, man, I'm so glad that's where my life was going 20 years before. And I think if we don't stop every once in a while and ask that question, we we won't we won't like the destination later. And so today we're going to stop and ask that question. and We're going to take it to Jesus. Because he's the most impactful person in the in the history of people. And so today we're going to learn how to be a difference maker like we were made to be from him. And it's in the story that we're going to look at in Jesus's life is maybe one of the strangest stories of Jesus's life. In fact, this is such a strange story. It seems so unJesus like on the surface that over the centuries, some scholars, Bible scholars have suggested, well, maybe this didn't didn't really happen. Like it, it was put in the Bible by mistake or somebody stuck it in there as a practical joke or something, because it just doesn't seem like this would be something Jesus would do. But the truth is, it's in it's in half of the books of the Bible that talk about Jesus's life. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John in the New Testament, both Matthew and Mark have this story. And even on the surface, it's a little weird when you look at it and understand what it means at a deeper level. You realize that no, it's a really important story, which is why it's in the book. So here's the story. All right. It's a very simple story. It's the cursing of the unfruitful fruit tree or fig tree. Mark 11. The next day as they that's Jesus and the disciples 
uh, were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. And then he said to the tree, this is his curse. May no one ever eat fruit from you again. Now we're going to learn in a little bit that the next day it starts withering and dying. And his disciples heard him say it. I mean, isn't that kind of a weird Jesus story? You know, it's like, why is that in there? Well, so he gets hungry, sees this fig tree, doesn't have any fruit. He like curses it and it dies. It's like, what's he got against fig tree? Like, come on. I mean, it's a little harsh, isn't it? I mean, like, you know, it, and it looks like he's on the surface, like he's hungry and irritable. You know how you get sometimes when you're really hungry, you get irritable or hangry, hungry, angry, hangry. Uh, kind of like those Snickers commercials. You're not yourself, you know, when you're um, in fact, I'm going to show you the, the, the first one of those. I remember uh, this is the Diva commercial. It was a, a, a on the Super Bowl. Uh, I think it was the first one of this series it has Aretha Franklin, an uh, amazing uh, singer who uh, just died not too long ago. But let's watch the, the movie. Can we turn the AC up? I'm dying back here. It's on. Can't you feel it? Can you feel that? Oh. <laughs> Jeff, eat a Snickers, please. Why? Every time you get hungry, you turn into a diva. Just eat it so Ooh. we can all coexist. Turn into a diva. Mm -hmm. your system, cranky pants. Okay. Thank you. Better? Better. Will you get your knees out of the back of my seat? Oh. You're not you when you're hungry. Snickers. <laughs> Now, on the surface, it looks like Jesus kind of being a diva. It's like, did he just say that? And uh, but that's what it looks like. Right. Because, you know, is that, and is that what's going on? And, and of course, the truth is, no, it's not. There's something much deeper going on, much more significant going on. And so we're going to take another look at the story. But first, there's a couple of things we have to understand before we do. Uh, one is, is Jesus's teaching style, the way he taught things. Uh, Jesus tended to use parables, stories with a point. He tended to use object lessons. And sometimes they were living object lessons, like a teachable moment that he would use and capture to teach something deeper, more significant, which is what's happening here. Uh, the second thing we have to understand is that in the Old Testament, in the Bible, the people of God in the Old Testament era was the nation of Israel, his people on this planet. And Jesus and his disciples, like they were all in that they were all Israelites. They were all the people of God. The church hasn't happened yet. OK, so this is about to happen after Jesus. But before Jesus, right, the, the people of God that are called out by God, they were called out by God to be a light to the nations. They were a nation that were to be a light to the other nations. That's the nation of Israel. That's the people of God. And uh, in often in the Old Testament, God uses the image of a tree, like a fruit tree or a grapevine or olive tree, fig tree, something like that, to describe the nation of Israel. It's a symbol of the nation of Israel, God's people, because they weren't just a tree. It was a good image because they weren't just a tree. They were a fruit tree, meaning they weren't there just to be there. They were there to be a blessing to the world, a blessing to the nations. They were a light to the nations. It's what they were supposed to be. That was the whole reason for their existence. As God told Abraham at the very beginning of the nation, I'm blessing you, not for you. I'm blessing you so that you can be a blessing. That's what a fruit tree is. A fruit tree spends all of its energy being providing a blessing for other people. And that was what the people of God were supposed to be. And OK, so that just keep that in mind as we then go back through the story. So Jesus is hungry and he's, you know, they're walking 
And there's and the problem back then, 2000 years ago, is there's no in and out. There's no Chick-fil-A. There's no Whataburger. And so he sees this fig tree off in the distance that's in leaf. Now, Mark tells us that's unusual. This is not quite the season for figs. So this is a go getter fig tree like this. The other ones, fig trees, when they're dead, they look just like skeletons. They look so dead. But this fig tree was unusual for this early because it was in bloom. It was in leaf like, you know, it was like, wow, look at that. And so he goes over to see it. Now, this is a branch of a fig tree. Actually, this one's from our backyard. Um, don't tell Christy I got this. Um, but uh, now she knows. But um, this is from our we have this big, huge fig tree in our backyard. And it's awesome. It produces a lot of figs. And when they get ripe, it's really great because we here's what we love to do with them. So you, we uh, take them off um, when they're ripe, cut them in half, put them under a broiler with some goat cheese on top. Some balsamic vinegar over that, it's changed your life good. Like, makes Jesus want to come back good. I mean, it's really good. And uh, now, Jesus wasn't thinking anything that fancy, right? He wasn't going to the fig tree thinking, oh, there's going to be goat cheese and balsamic. Um, what he was expecting is pretty much this, an early season fig branch with these little green, uh, you know, figs that are not ripe yet. And they would eat those as a snack because you can eat them even though they're not ripe. And that's what he's expecting to see. And that's what you would expect to see always with an early season fig tree because of how fig trees work. So fig trees, the leaves and figs come together. In fact, the, the little the fruit actually comes before the leaves. So the fruit starts coming out and then the leaves come out shortly after that. And what that means is an early season fig tree, you always expect 100 percent of the time. If there's leaves, there's going to be fruit. I mean, the fruit actually comes first. And so when Jesus comes to this particular fig tree and it has leaves but no fruit, that's beyond weird. Like, that's really messed up because they always come together. And so Jesus sees that. He's hungry. There's no fruit. And he curses the fig tree, not just because it has no fruit, but because it has leaves and no fruit. And what I mean by that is it's a lying fig tree. Because an early season fig tree, if you have leaves, you're telling the world, hey, the fruit came first. So you're telling the world, hey, I've got fruit. Come get me. Here I am. I'm here. You know, I got all the fruit you could want because I got all these leaves. So come on. But this tree was a lying fig tree. It said, hey, I got all this life. Come and get some fruit. And there's no fruit. You come hungry and you get nothing of substance. Now, again, this isn't about a tree and it's not about figs. It's about something deeper. It's about the people of God. And we know that because what Jesus is going to do next, the very next part of the story is he goes from that fig tree thing. He goes to the temple where all the people of God are doing their religious stuff and he makes a whip and he drives the religious leaders out of the temple for how much they've ruined what God had put, you know, how much they missed the whole point of why they even existed. That's a passage. It's also weird. We'll teach that in October. But What's the point of the fig story? It's for the nation of Israel, for the people of God, all the religious establishment. They had their temple, they had all their religious activity. They had a lot of green leaves that looked very much alive. They had a lot of activity. And you would go there and, you know, it looked like a place you could find God. It looked like a place you could find meaning. It looked like the kind of thing that would maybe be a blessing to the world, but it wasn't. And they had all their priests, priesting, all their you know, singers singing, all their teachers teaching, all their sacrificers sacrificing. It looked like, yeah, this is going to be a blessing. The world's going to make the world better. This is going to 
you can find an authentic relationship with God. And in fact, there was no fruit at all. You go with your spiritual hunger and come away empty because all that was there was just this religious legalism, this religious ritual that had no sustenance, no authentic faith. And it wasn't being a blessing to people outside of itself. People would come and be disillusioned. It's kind of like when I was a little kid. Um, I used to like jelly beans. And, and, and I think every kid would like a jelly bean if they had one. And my dad liked jelly beans, so we always had jelly beans in the house. And he eventually started liking the jelly bellies, the fancy jelly beans, you know. But, but the ones I remember as a little kid were just that basic set of jelly beans. You know, the cheap ones, like they're kind of fat and and they're like grape and orange. And I think there's yellow, lemon and, you know, different ones. And there's only like five or six flavors. And of that basic set of jelly beans, what's the best flavor? Come on. It's, it's grape. OK, come on. You get with Jesus here. It's grape. All right. It's great. And uh, by far the best. So as a kid, like I would like save the grape, right? Because they're the best in there. But the problem with with grape is they're dark purple. And there's another flavor some of you here at Legacy mentioned. And that's licorice. That's black. That looks a lot like the dark purple. And and, you know, the the Latin word from which we get licorice, you know what it means? Nasty. It does. Uh, That's actually not true, but it should be true. It's nasty. That's like the worst flavor ever. And so I, I still remember as a kid, I, I did this a lot. Like I wasn't very smart. I would, you know, think I would be eating, you know, the dark purple. Think I'd be eating grape, expecting this greatness. And instead I get licorice. And it's like, ah, and you're going, ah, you know, trying to get it out. And it's just terrible, right? You, you think you're getting grape and you get licorice. The reason Jesus was so frustrated with what religion had become, what his people had become. is because there was a place where people went expecting grape and they got licorice. Expecting to find God and meaning and healing and life. And, and instead, they just got religion. It, and instead of being a place that made their world better around them, they, were, they had a lot of leaves but no fruit. They, they weren't being the blessing that God had called them out to be to the world. The world was not better because they were there. And because of that, Jesus looks at it. And curses the fig tree. Because he wants to make it obvious on the outside what the reality is on the inside. He doesn't want it to be a lying fig tree anymore, but an honest fig tree that all we have here is death. Now that's pretty, pretty hard little story, right? But it's one we need to hear. You know why? Because in this New Testament era in which we live, you know who the people of God are? Those of us who believe. The church, like we're the ones that God is using. We're the people of God. And guess what kind of tree we are? We're a fruit tree. We're not just a tree. Our job isn't just to have leaves. Not our job isn't just to do a bunch of religious stuff. Our job is to be a fruit tree, to, to do everything we can to be a blessing to this world, to be a blessing to others. And, and that's why one of our DNA statements as a church, the one we're focused on today is this one. We count the change. And what that means is this. As the agents of God's redemption on this broken planet, that's the church, God's people, his hands and feet to do his work in the world. Right. That's that's what that means. Our effectiveness is measured by both personal and community transformation. What we're saying there is, hey, just because we have a lot of religious activity, a lot of leaves, that's fine. 
But that's not what we measure. The number, like what our programs are or how many people we have or how many campuses we have or how many buildings we have. Those are all good. Those are all important. But they're a means to an end because ultimately the way we measure ourselves is so it's kind of like, okay, so what? What are you doing with all that? And are we being a blessing to our world? Is transformation happening? When people come into this place, do they find authentic faith and authentic transformation and authentic healing? Are we just playing religion? Right. And so what kind of transformation is happening? And because we're a fruit tree, how is our community better? Because we are here. And that's what we measure because we're a fruit tree. Right. So how is our community better? What is what is the fruit of us being here? And we want to know, like, and that's what we measure. How is our community better because Chase Oaks is here? How is our world better because Chase Oaks is here? Another way to say that is this a question we ask ourselves. Would our community miss us as a church if all of a sudden we disappeared? Like if, if we disappeared, would people say, oh, thank God, they're gone? Or would they say, huh, I didn't even know they were here. Or would they say, Oh, no, I don't want to be here without them. I mean, think of all the good they do in our community. Think of all the good they do along with our community partners. Think of how they come alongside our schools. Think about how all these, how they come alongside the the deepest needs in our community and how they've lifted people up. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't want them to go. I mean, that's the way our existence should be here in a sense that, hey, I may not believe what they believe. They may believe some weird stuff about the Bible and Jesus or whatever. I don't understand at this point, but man, I sure don't want them to go. I don't want to live in a community without churches like that. To me, it's a little bit like the Salvation Army, you know, that have the uniforms and ring the bell and stuff like that. And you might look at them and say, you know, I'm not ready to put on one of those uniforms. But I sure am glad they're there. And when I'm in trouble, I sure want to see the uniform people. It's a a little bit like that, right? And so one of the things we always ask ourselves as a church is, okay, it's great we got people and all that kind of stuff, but what's happening in people's lives and what's happening through people's lives? Look at transformation. A great thing, though, to also ask is this of ourselves, whether you're part of our church or not. If I disappeared, who would, you know, who would miss me? And I'm not talking about relationally miss you. I mean, from a blessing perspective, he would be really, really sad that you're not there because you're such a blessing because you're making such a difference in their life. It's just a great question to ask. And so with that question, Jesus is going to help us. And so let's go back to the story. This is the next day. In the morning, as they went along, Jesus and the disciples, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. So now the next day, the fig tree that was cursed is like all, uh, you know, withered, dying. And Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. So Peter's saying, hey, wow, that's really cool. You didn't use Roundup. You just used your words and this thing died. That's awesome, man. That's, man, that's amazing. What a miracle. That's wow. That's really cool. And Jesus is going to, we're going to read it, but Jesus is going to look at that and say, yeah, that's nothing. I mean, yeah, that happened, but that's, that's so tiny. That, that's, that's nothing withering fig trees. Um, you have no idea. The power of God that's available to you, Peter, if you trust him and you live out the mission that he's called you to live out. That's what he's going to say. He's going to say, Peter, have faith in God. Truly, I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, so it's in Jerusalem, uh, near Jerusalem, when there's these mountains, it's a mountainous area. 
So he looks at a mountain. If anyone says to this mountain, go, throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Here's what he's saying to Peter. Peter, okay, the fig tree, cute little party trick. I mean, after a while, people won't invite you to their house anymore because you keep killing all their plants. But, you know, right? But it's, that's, that's nothing. Peter, what you need to understand is if you have faith in God and you follow him and you live for him and you live the mission and you pray and you lean on him, you're part of something way bigger than that. You'll, you'll be part of something like moving mountains, saying to this mountain, you move into the, meaning you move into the sea, meaning the, the power that's available to you is powerful enough to change the landscape of this world, to change the landscape of people's lives. That's the power that God wants to pour in your life and through your life, Peter, if you're willing to go for it. You're made to be a world changer. You're made to be a mountain mover. You're, you're made to be a difference maker, Peter. And if you believe and you go for it, that's what's going to happen. And you know what? In Peter's life, that's exactly what happened. In the early church, when you read the book of Acts, that's exactly what happened. And it's not just fairy tale. I see it every day. I mean, it's one of the cool things being the, in the role that I'm in. My job is I get a front row seat to see what God is doing in people's lives here and through people's lives here. I get to see how transformation, real transformation is happening in people's lives, in their character, in their relationships, in their careers, in their marriage, in their all that. It's just the coolest thing ever. But also what God does through ordinary people to make an extraordinary impact. I mean, we do have some extraordinary people at Chase Oaks. Some of you are hot shots and we need you. And God made you that way and I'm glad. But most of us are ordinary, but it doesn't even matter. Because what God does is he loves to use the ordinary to do the extraordinary and to pour out his mountain moving, landscape changing power to, to impact this world. And again, I just I get to see that all the time. It is like the coolest thing ever. And God has made us for that. He's made us to be mountain movers. He's made us to be world changers. He's made us to be difference makers. So how does it work? Like, how would we really Change the way we live now so that we're those kind of people. And Jesus is going to tell us. He goes back, or we, we're going to go back to the story, because a couple days later, he extends this conversation with his disciples, this time using the same illustration of a fruit tree, but it actually shifts to grape, uh, a grapevine. But it's in John 15. Jesus says this, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. So the father is God, the father you know, God is Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So Jesus is the Son of God. So I, Jesus, am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. Now he's telling us how to be fruitful people, world changer people. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned, a wasted life. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. How do we show ourselves to be disciples, followers of Jesus? Bear much fruit. 
We're fruit trees. That's what he's called us to be. So how do we live that out? How do we be the kind of difference makers that I think all of us want to be? Well, he tells us in the story two big things we've got to understand. The first is to get connected to the vine. That's Jesus. Right? If we want to have the kind of impact that Jesus wants us to have, the first important thing is to get connected to the vine. That's Jesus. Let's look back at what Jesus said. He said, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, look at what he says again. If you remain in me and I in you, you might bear a little bit of fruit. No. If you remain in me and I in you, if you're connected with me in a vital way, here's what's going to happen. You will, not might, bear much fruit. Not little. If you're connected to me with my love and my power, you will bear much fruit. See, it's like this branch that we looked at earlier from the fig tree. Um, this branch has been equipped by God the way he created it to make fruit happen. Like it's, it's what it does. Like it's what it's for. It's got every gift, everything it needs to bear fruit, to make figs. Right. This this branch doesn't make figs because it tries really hard, like, ooh, ooh, ah, you know, whatever. Read Google's how to make figs. He they it, it's made to make figs. The key to this plant is it's got to be connected to the trunk. Or if it's a grapevine, it's got to be connected to the vine. And if it's connected to the vine, if it's connected to the tree, because it is a branch uh, that's designed to make fruit, it will make fruit. It doesn't have to try that hard. It's, all, it's almost natural that if this is connected to the vine, if it's connected to the trunk, it's going to bear fruit. And what Jesus is saying is if you and I want to be fruitful, if we want to be impactful, the main thing is not just try hard. The main thing is to be connected to Jesus. Because when we're connected to Jesus, he then pours his love and energy through us. He begins to heal us and change us. I mean, there's diseases in our life. There's problems in it that keep us from being fruitful. He begins to transform us. And then he begins to empower us to do his work in the world. The key is to be connected to the vine, to be connected to Jesus. Now you think, well, can somebody make a difference in the world and not be connected to Jesus? Like not know Jesus? Sure. And some of you are like that. I mean, you're here and, and you don't know Jesus and you're making a difference. And I think that's cool. But I'm telling you. And this is part of why I get to see every day. When, I, when people connect to the vine, when people connect to Jesus, there's something exponential that happens. It's beyond magical. When we open up our lives to the love and the power and the transforming force that is Jesus, he begins to change us from the inside out. He begins to change our character. He begins to heal us. He begins to make us more outward focused, less selfish, less inward focused. And over time, we bear more and more fruit as he's changing us from the inside out. And as he empowers us, what we can do a little bit, he can do infinitely bigger. And, and, and with Jesus, it's not one plus one equals two. It's one plus one equals infinity, the difference. And again, I get to see that all the time. And that's available to you. 
And for some of you, this is maybe the opportunity to begin a relationship with Jesus, to get connected to the vine. Because beginning a relationship with Jesus is, is not hard. He's done the hard part. That's why he died on the cross, to take away the guilt of sin that stands between us and God. And he offers forgiveness freely as a gift, the Bible says. And he wants to come into our life, not just to forgive us, but to transform us and to use us in this world. And beginning a relationship with Jesus is really just saying, yes, thank you. It's a gift. I say, yes, come into my life. Now, some of you may not be ready for that yet. You may be, have some good questions, some good hesitations, and I, I get that. Uh, all of us have been there sometime as a church that it's okay. Uh, it's, it's a good place to bring our questions and our doubts. But at some point, and it may be today, you'll be ready to cross that line and say, okay, I'm in. And when you do, you open up your life to the most powerful, loving force in the universe. And for those of us who know Jesus, a great question to ask is, well, how connected am I? How vital is my connection to Jesus right now? Right? How, am I growing in my connection with Jesus as I'm in a group, as I'm you know, doing what you're doing here, hearing from God, worshiping him as I'm praying, as I'm reading the Bible, all the things that grow. How focused and like how connected am I? Because if we're vitally connected to Jesus, the more connected we are, the more fruitful we'll be. We will bear much fruit. The second part of that, though, relates to the father, God, the father, submit to the gardener. That's the father. Now, what this is talking about is cultivating, is, is allowing God to cultivate our life, is really pruning. It's an important conversation. John 15, 2, we just read it. He said, he, the father, cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so it will be even more fruitful. So the reason there is a gardener over a vineyard or an orchardist over an orchard is because they're cultivating that plant to make sure it's the most fruitful. And what do they do? They prune the parts of the plant that are taking nutrients away from the fruit. And so branches that aren't productive or parts of a branch that are productive but aren't contributing to fruit, they're pruning that, pruning that, pruning that, so it can be so that the energy of the plant is increasingly going to making the best fruit. Right? That's that's what a gardener does. That's what it that's what that's the reason for if you just let it go wild, you'll have fruit, but it'll be, be little tiny, not very big, not very healthy, not not that significant. But if you have a gardener who prunes and you can maybe see where we're going here. Right from time to time, if we're going to be fruitful, we just have to stop, like I mentioned before, and, and just say, God, what, what do I need to prune out of my life? Are there things that are good things that are taking my, my resources, my energy, that really aren't fruitful? They're leafy, but they're not fruitful. Um, as a church, we've got to ask that question, too, and we do a lot. It's a, it's a question we ask a lot because this is God's church. It's not our church. And we're here to be what kind of tree? A fruit tree. Which means we've got to bear fruit. Like we're, we're here to be not just blessed, but to be a blessing. And, and so, you know, we, we, have this con- we have this conversation Monday night at our board meeting. So we have a, you know, like a board of directors. We call elders because that's what the Bible calls them. And it's like a board of directors with spiritual stuff thrown on top. Uh, the board of elders or the board and our executive team. And we met, and, we're, and one of the things we're talking about is, hey, what do we need to prune out of the life of our church that may be good things that aren't the most fruitful? Because the way church, that's the way churches die over time, is they just never ask that question. 
because it's so easy to happen. And so you have a lot of leaves and no fruit. And the way that happens in churches, well, you start something, some program or maybe some way of doing something like church service or something. And you start it because it was effective for that time and it was fruitful for a while. But then culture changes. It's no longer really fruitful, but people kind of like it and they're comfortable with it. So you just keep doing it, even though it's no longer fruitful. And so all your resources are going to things that aren't really fruitful after a while. But everybody's kind of generally happy inside, but you're not impacting the church outside. You're not offering anything outside, but you're happy inside and you become internally focused. And after a while, you look back and you realize we're a tree like that fig tree that Jesus cursed that has leaves, but no fruit. And it's easy to happen. And so from time to time, we just ask those questions of what do we need to do differently? What do we need to prune away? And I'm just saying this, maybe this is therapy for Jeff, just uh, but when when you see us do a church change of significance, that's not for the fun of it. You know, because people get mad and, you know, what I'm going to leave if you do that or whatever. And if you start playing to that as a church, you're dead. And our job is to is to go to the father and say, God, what do you want us to do? And what do we need to prune away that's no longer fruitful? And and uh, and just know that we may get it wrong, but that's why we're changing something if we change it. But the same thing we've got to do, same discipline in our own lives. In fact, ask yourself that question right now. In fact, this, this summer would be a great time to ask that question, a pruning question of God, because we're going to have a little bit more time this summer. Hopefully you'll go on some kind of little trip or something. And if you're single, get together with some friends, talk about it. If you're married, talk about it as a couple. If you're family, have a family conversation that just says, hey, how much of the activity in our life, when we think about where our resources are going, our money's going, our time is going, our energy's going, the focus of our life is going, how much of that is really fruitful in terms of transforming us to be the kind of people that God made us to be and using us to accomplish in this world what God called us to accomplish, to be difference makers. How much of our activity is actually leading to fruit? And how much is distracting us from being the people and accomplishing what God wants us to accomplish? That's a great conversation to have. And then just say, okay, God, give us wisdom. And then the, it's not easy to prune good things. God, give us the courage then and the discipline to prune some of those good things so that we can be more fruitful. Now, just imagine, we're going to go to God with that here in a moment, but imagine if you and I did that starting now. Imagine if you and I either got connected to the vine, to Jesus, or if we're connected, if we have a relationship with him, get connected to him in a more vital way so that he's changing us from the inside out. He's pouring out his love and power through us. We did that and we pruned away some of these things. We did the pruning conversation with God and we pruned things out of our life. And we began to do that as a regular pattern of our life to say, God, I don't want to just be leaf tree. I want to be a fruit tree. So what do I need to, to cut away so that I can be most fruitful? Imagine if you and I start that as a way of life now, how different our life would be 20 years from now than if we don't. How much more fruitful, how much more, how different, how much more godly, how much more effective we would be. And you're the kind of people that you really respect the most, that I really respect the most, who just, they're such amazing people, and they're such a blessing to be around, and they, and they're, God uses them to do these amazing things, and they're, they're just wonderful, and you think, wow, they're, God made them so wonderful. He made them just like you and me. But what happened is, made just like you and me, they got connected in a vital way to Jesus, and they began to prune things out of their life that didn't contribute to them becoming the kind of people they're becoming and having the kind of impact they're having. They just did that over a period of time and voila, that's who they are. And the same opportunity is there for you and me. 
And Jesus wants this for us. And so let's go to him now. Let's bow our heads together. And I'm going to guide us through a prayer process. And as I always say, you know, praying is just talking to God, our father, and he loves us. And so you don't have to use special churchy words or flowery words. You can just talk to God in your own heart uh, just right now. And as we think about this message, I'm just going to guide us through a little prayer process. First of all, think about your connection to the vine, to Jesus. And for some of you, this may be your opportunity to say yes to Jesus. To say, God, um, you sent Jesus to take away the guilt of my sin so I can know you. He wants to come into my life forever and begin to change me now and use me to change this world. And I say, yes, I believe. That's what it means to begin a relationship with Jesus. You have no idea what you're saying yes to yet, but it's awesome. And for those of us who have that connection with Jesus, who've taken that step, just think about right now, how vital is your connection to Jesus? And what do you want to say to him about it? And then let's ask God the pruning question. As the good gardener in our life, he just wants what we want. He wants us to be fruitful and joyful. And just say, God, what, what do I need to prune out of my life that may be good, may not be good, but is not contributing to greater fruitfulness? God, how do you want me to be more focused on around that which is impactful? Father, I thank you for this story. I thank you for this desire that you've put in us to be the people you want us to be and accomplish what you want us to accomplish. And I thank you that you always are ready to empower us. And so, Father, would you deepen our connection with you and would you help us to be focused on what makes us fruitful? Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.